You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. We are going to spend the next uh, little bit uh, of time talking about what it means to be successful in your college years. And, um, and, and so I'm going to talk about five things that I think are myths in our culture um, that tell you how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to be as a college student in America in 2007, 2008, 2009, whatever the case might be. And I want to talk about what God has to say about those things, okay? So this is, first of all, a true statistic. Now, I've heard these statistics be anywhere from 60% on the low end all the way up to 90% on the high end. So depending on who's quoting the statistic. But either way, even if it's 60%, and I'll use 60% just because we'll be conservative. 60% of students who are in youth group or are loving God in high school go away to college, and when they graduate from college, they're no longer involved in the local church. And, and then for half of that percentage, so 30% of, uh, or, of, or excuse me, 50% of the 60%, okay, does that make sense? 50% of the 60% when they graduate from college don't even follow God. They're just like that MySpace page that I talked to you about in the last session where they say, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. That's not the way it's supposed to be. It is not supposed to be that you love God in high school, you go away to college, and at the end of your college years you think, I don't think this is right for me. I went to this class and this class, and I learned this philosophy, and now I'm a Buddhist. Okay, that's not the way it's supposed to be. And as far as I'm concerned, that is exactly why I do what I do. I'm, a co- I'm the college and 20-somethings pastor here at New Life Church, and I absolutely love my job. The mill, for any of you that are out of ta- from out of town, the mill, I took over the mill about six years ago. It was about 30 people. The mill now, and we meet on Friday nights. The mill now, uh, we average anywhere from, uh, from 1,000 to 1,500 college students and 20-somethings that show up on a Friday night. But you know what? That's not enough. And you know why? Because I'm convinced that this 60%, this 90% number, whatever it is, has to be different. That is what drives me. It's what gets me up in the morning. It's what makes me go to bed late at night. It's what makes me want to spend time with college students. It is that because I say it, that percentage is wrong. It may be right, but it's not right for that to be that way. And I'm going to make sure that in Colorado Springs and up and down the front range, that that percentage is different. And I think that we're seeing that. I think we're seeing students that go through college and they graduate college hungrier for God than when they got into college. They loved God in high school. They loved God when they were a senior. They loved God when they went to college. And then when they graduated, they were hungrier for God than when they went in. That, to me, is the way it's supposed to be. Now, this is what, this is what I think people, the culture says about college students. There's five things. Number one is college is about experimentation and discovery. College is about experimenting and discovering. Okay, so it's all about you just having to figure out, okay, what am I going to do with my life and how does this relationship work? And the way that I'm going to discover my relationships is that I'm going to have to just mess around with everybody. So I'm going to have girlfriends and boyfriends and we're just going to play around and mess around and I'm going to experiment with this and I'm going to experiment with that. Maybe I'll test out this religion and maybe I'll test out that idea and maybe I'll just have to test and find out what it's like to get drunk and I'm going to go test test and find out what it's like to get high on pot, and I've got to go test out this, and I've got to experiment with this, because then once I've had the full range of experiences, then I'll be able to choose wisely. But you know what that says to me? That says to me that the Bible doesn't know what it's talking about prior to you going into college. 
I say that college is not a time for experimentation and discovery. Now, I do believe that going into college in your time, oftentimes when you leave your parents' house, when you, when you move out, when you go to college, when you're kind of, uh, you know, kind of jumping out of the nest, so to speak, that it is a time to, to really solidify your relationship with God. I remember that experience in my life, going away and thinking, okay, now is the time for me to figure out if I'm loving God because my parents love God, and I grew up in a house where I loved God because I went to church every week, or am I going to love God because I love God? Not because my parents told me I had to go to church, not because my parents told me I had to, not because of Sunday school or youth group or any of those things, but because I, Aaron Stern, Aaron Michael Stern, love God. And so you know what I did in college? I prayed. I fasted. That's what you do in college. See, the college scene, society says, take this philosophy class and try this out and check out this this religion and take chest out check out this mystic idea and all those types of things what god is saying is use your college years to fall deeper in love with me i promise you that if you use your college years to fall deeper in love with jesus that you'll come out on the other side ready to tear up the planet because i find that what is happening and i think this is one of the ways that christians you guys can be ahead of the game, one step ahead of the game when you graduate is that you have spent your four years cultivating and living for and developing and, and falling passionately in love with Jesus during your college years as opposed to the person that says, okay, uh, now what do I do? And so you get out of college loving God, okay? First idea. Number two, college students aren't responsible. Number two myth in our society. College students are not responsible. And so, you know what people think? College students can't do anything. They're irresponsible. They're just a mess. They don't, they drink, they party, they sleep till four in the afternoon. They, now I love sleeping till four in the afternoon. I've done it a long time, but I did it in college. One time, one time when I was in college, my roommate, it was a Saturday. I had worked really hard. I think it might have been like midterms or something like that. And my roommate on a Saturday got up. He worked at Chili's. And I had been up really late and maybe pulled an all-nighter that week, all that kind of stuff. And, and my roommate went to work at Chili's. At, his shift was at 10 o'clock. I was in bed because I didn't have to work that day. He comes back after his shift, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Where's Aaron? Still in bed. It was fabulous. Now, those are okay. That's all right to do every now and then, but not every day, not every weekend, not all the time. Okay? So, and this is why. How you live in your college years will determine how you're going to live after your college years. How you live in college will determine how you're going to live when you graduate from college. How you live, and, this is, and take, take this just a little further, how you live in your 20s is going to determine how you're going to live in your 30s. How you live in your 30s is going to determine how you live in your 40s. How you live in your 40s is going to determine how you're going to live in your 50s. And so... If you want to be behind the eight ball, go ahead and screw around during your college years. And so then you have to take the rest of your 20s to straighten all that mess out and get things on the right track in order to start planting some good seeds for the future. And this is why. This is why I say that. The Bible says that we will reap what we sow. We are always planting seeds. Everything we do in our life plants a seed. Everything. So if you plant the seeds of laziness during college, during your college years... You're going to be a lazy person after college, I guarantee it. If you 
become a, uh, if you plant the seeds of smartness in your, in your college years, chances are you're going to be ahead of the game because you're going to be a little smarter when you graduate. When you, if you plant the seeds of partying in your college years, you ever seen, you ever seen the guy that is kind of, well, maybe I'll just tell you about some of my friends or maybe some of the people that I went to college with. I remember the guys who were the party animals in college. I graduated from college 12 years ago. It's okay. I know. I'm, I know. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, he's really old. It's okay. I'm 34. I've been married 12 years. I have three kids. Okay, so... Um, Actually, I'm not quite 34 yet. All right, so next month. Um, so, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So, I, I graduated from college 12 years ago. Some of the guys, some of the guys who were party guys in college, 12 years later, they're still doing the same thing. They're still partying. Hoping that they could just hang on to that old college life. It was awesome. Oh, just love my college years. And maybe they had a good time, and maybe they hung out. But you know what they're trying to do? And you know what they're saying? The college years are the best years of my life. I'm, I'm 33 years old, and today is the best day of my life. Yesterday was the best day before that. The day before that was the best day before that. The, best, the day before that was the best day before that. You know why? Because every day, every year gets better. But that's only if you live and plant the right seeds for tomorrow. Plant the right seeds in your college years, okay? If you live a messy 20s, if you live a messy college life, you're going to get a messy next, tens of your time, next 10 years of your life. So use your time well. Use your time well. So that's why we talk about the Desperation Internship, DSI in the summer, 24-7, uh, school of worship, is because those are things that are going to help you live your life well. The, see, the, the culture says what you do now doesn't matter. What you do now doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you do now. It's a lie. What you do now matters very much. What you do when you're 19 makes a huge difference as far as what your life is going to look like when you're 25. Okay? So, this is what you need to do. This is these are some of the things that you need to be paying attention to in college. One, money. Okay, some of you are like, "Money? <laughs> I have got none of it." So, I cannot pay attention to anything. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. This is why. I have helped raise money. Now, I haven't personally raised it, but I've helped students raise money uh, for missions over the last year. Almost a million dollars raised in money in missions for mo- money for missions. A million dollars raised by college students. Don't tell me that college students don't know how to find money. Last December, we did an outreach project at the mill where we... Um, where we decided that we were going to help single, a single mom for, uh, for Christmas. And so we decided we were going to, we didn't tell her, but we decided we were going to, we were going to buy her a, a car for Christmas. She didn't know. She didn't have a car. She, was, she, was, she had three kids to support. She had a part-time job. She was going to school. And she just sold her car because she needed to pay bills. So she had no car, so she was going to use the bus and friends, cars, and bum rides. And I mean, that's just not the way a single mom is supposed to have to live. So we decided, we found out about it, we decided... We're going to try and buy her a car. Now, I've never, we never have raised that much money. So we bought her uh, a Toyota Camry with 37,000 miles on it. Okay, that's a nice, solid car. So I pitched it to the mill on a Friday night. This is in December. Now people are buying Christmas gifts, all that kind of stuff. In one night, we raised $30,000. 
don't tell me that you don't have any money. <laughs> I see you at Starbucks on a regular basis. <laughs> People without money don't go to Starbucks. Okay? That's like colored water and it costs $4. And I love it. It's the best colored water in the world. So, so, but don't tell me you don't have money. But let me just tell you this. You need to pay attention to your money. Okay? Pay attention to it because you don't want to graduate from college with a mountain of debt. And the credit card companies in America are trying to kill you. The devil's trying to kill you and the credit card companies are trying to kill you. Some people would say the credit card companies are the devil. Okay, so credit, you're going to have the opportunity to get a credit card probably when you're in college if you don't already have one. Don't fall into temptation. Okay? Credit card, and they're going to say, well, it's going to build your credit, all that kind of stuff. 99% of the people I know that get a credit card when they're in college get in trouble. And so I have friends, they graduated from college, and they might have some student loans, and we can talk about that in a second. But I'm talking credit card debt. And they have $10,000, $20,000 in credit card debt. You know what they put on their credit cards? Pizza, Starbucks, a trip to Daytona Beach, um, iPod, cell phone. $20,000. Now, you realize that the way that you pay that back, and they're like, yeah, I'm paying the minimum payment. You're going to pay that minimum payment back in about 10 years, and you're going to pay $50,000 for the pizza and the Starbucks and the iPod and the trip to Daytona. Okay? So it is not worth it. It is not worth it. You might say, but I'm going to be poor, and I'm not going to be cool. That's why it's so wonderful that in our day and age, going to Goodwill is so hip. Okay? Goodwill, people. 50 cents. We're talking 50 cents right here. There's no need to go to Abercrombie and buy a $40 t-shirt. Let me, let everybody repeat after me. That is stupid. That is stupid. Okay. All right. Now, now, you might say to yourself, but I need to look cool like my friends. No, you don't. Okay? You need to look not poor. Okay? So, all right. So, be careful of that. I encourage you all to read a book. Okay, I'm going to talk about reading next. You need to read. And you're like, yeah, well, I'm going to have to go read college. You read in college. If you're not in college, it's not true. I went to college, and I read one book. I read one book in four years. I'm not proud of that. I read, now, I'm talking textbooks. Sorry. Sorry. I read one textbook in four years. My senior year, this is, I can't believe I did this. My senior year, I decided, you know what? I'm not going to buy any books. <laughs> I, now, I was trying to save money, so at least I was, like, pushing for one thing, okay? I didn't buy one book. I thought, I'll borrow my friend's book if I ever need to do homework. I happened to pass that semester. <laughs> but you, so I'm not talking textbook reading. I'm talking, like, other book reading, okay? Like the stuff you don't have to read, like voluntary. You know, this, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, voluntary reading? What are you talking about? <laughs> okay? Voluntary reading. I... Where's Evan Martin? He's not in here. Evan Martin has a mentor. His mentor is 85 years old. Oh, there he is, right over there. Evan Martin's mentor um, is 85 years old. And how old is he when he started doing this? When he was in his 20s, he decided because his mentor told him. Is that right? His mentor told him, you need to start reading a book a week. He has read a book a week from his 20s to, to being 85 years old. Because of that, he is extremely smart. Now, I'm not, I don't read books that fast, but I, have, I read a lot of books. On my nightstand, as is the case for Evan Martin, Evan Martin and I work together, 
And um, on my nightstand, I usually have five or six books. I just ordered a bunch of books from Amazon just because I'm like, out, I kind of finished all the books that I was reading through. Some of them are, um, some of them are theology books. Some of them are. Aaron asks me about his sermons every week, and I always say, that was amazing. That was the best of No, I think, I think you guys are going to get to college, and you guys, some of you guys are going to try to do things that will be the first step in, in, in dreaming. Do it with all your heart. Even if you don't have the resources to do it, if you want to be an author, write something. Go down to Kinko's and print it out and hand it out to all your friends. If, if you want to be a musician, then write something. Go to, go to a garage and record it. Talk to somebody who has a Mac and, and just have them put it on something like that and put it on a CD and then sell it to your friends. <laughs> you know, just, just get out there and do it and then surround yourself with people that are going to not lie to you, but encourage you <laughs> and maybe lie to you because it'll keep you going. Because I know for sure, I know for sure I never told Glenn or Jared, oh, I don't know, maybe you guys should think about digging ditches. I didn't say that. You know, I believed in their dreams. So, Okay. You never know. You never know the people that you're going to meet and the relationships and what those relationships are going to mean for the future of your life. Not only did he not know that maybe, maybe Jared and Glenn would, would grow in, in musical talent and all that kind of thing, but I don't think that he also knew that he would be working in the same organization with them down the road either. And so what if he'd have said, you know, this is terrible and hurt their feelings and really hurt them, okay? Not, not been a good friend, okay? And there's ways to tell people that they need to work on things and they're maybe just, okay, nice shot, but let's work on this and this is how you could improve. And, you know, there's some different ways and, and different things. We won't talk about that right now. But, but let's just say that that had really hurt them and that it really created a rift in their friendship. And then here he is, Glenn, Evan, and working on the same staff as Jared and Glenn. Well, then you got another problem. So, so there's mul- multiple things in that particular story that I think talk about what could happen with the relationships that you've got in college that might end up impacting your future. Okay, um, now let's just talk just a second about relationships. I'm talking guy-girl relationships. You're looking for a wife. You're looking for a husband. You're looking for the MRS degree. You're looking for 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 that. Okay, you're looking for or, or you're looking. You're, you're looking, right, okay? Some of you are like, looking for what? Looking for a husband or a wife, okay? You're looking. Now, I believe that this is probably one of the most important things that you guys can do. This, this area of your life could destroy your life or it could make your life great, okay? It, will, it could produce some of the worst heartache for your life. And I'm not saying that, you know, you've got to pick the right one the first time, and if you don't do that, then... You're going to have some heartache, all that kind of stuff. There's heartache involved in even relationships that are done well, and maybe they end or something like that. But what I'm saying is you need to be able to, to navigate relational dynamics well. Okay? What I mean by that is you need to be able to go into a relationship looking for the right thing. You need to go into a relationship not just looking for what I think so many of us, if not all of us, are craving in some form or another. And that's acceptance and rejection. You don't, you're not looking for rejection, but you're looking for acceptance. And so you say, I just want to be with that person because if they love me, then I feel accepted and I feel good about myself. I think one of the ideas that's kind of 
really promoted and pushed in this conference is that you fall deeper in love with Jesus so that he is everything that you need. Why? So that he is, so you feel, you're to, you know that you're totally accepted in God and you're not looking around, hey, will you be my boyfriend, will you be my girlfriend so that you can find acceptance in somebody else. Because what will happen if you do that is you will date somebody that you know you're not right for or they're not right for you just so that you can feel accepted. Just so that you can have somebody make you feel good. Just so somebody can be, some of you, some of you may be right now dating, some, dating a loser. And the only reason you're dating them is because they make you feel accepted. Wow, it got quiet in here. Okay, so, so you need to navigate that well, okay? Man, there's so much of that I could talk about. I'll talk about that another day. Okay. Um, college, I'm going to go whip through these really fast, and then we'll have a little bit of Q&A. Um, College, students aren't expected to do anything. So you're not really expected to do something. I'm not talking about like going to college and finishing school. I'm talking about like actually making an impact with your life. I believe that, that your 20s is your year, your eight, your years, your decade of training. So that's why you go to college in your 20s. That's why you're, you're checking out, a, you have some different jobs because you get some training, you figure out what you're supposed to do in life, figure out what you're not supposed to do in life, all those types of things. But too often, the world looks at college students as people and 20-somethings as people that aren't supposed to do anything. But I have found that if we are given the opportunity, or if we take the opportunity, college students can change the world. College students, 20-somethings, can change the world. And we've seen that. David Perkins talked about the Moravian prayer meeting, the 100-year prayer meeting. College students. Student volunteer movement. Some of you probably heard about that. Missions movements were all started by college students, 20-somethings. If we're going to have that happen again, and I think that we are on the verge of seeing some of those things, college students are going to be the ones that are going to do it. Don't feel like, I am not able to do anything. I've got to wait till I get a real job, or I've got to wait till I'm 30. Okay? Not, or I've got to wait till I'm married. Not true. And I think we're seeing some of that. Anybody ever heard of the Invisible Children? Who's heard of Invisible Children? Okay? Invisible Children, for some of you who don't know, is a, a bunch of guy, a couple of guys that did a documentary about uh, refugees, to, uh, refugees in um, Uganda and um, northern Uganda, and and that particular documentary has has basically gone all over the nation, and and it's it's created a grassroots movement of people who are doing something, raising money for, raising awareness for what's going on in northern Uganda and Sudan. Done by a couple of college guys. They did something in their college years. You can do something. You can start now. Okay? So jump in right now. Okay? College is just about having fun. College is for you to have fun, and you can have the best time of your life. You can just have an incredible time. I, I love my college years. I wouldn't go back to them because I'm having more fun now. But God doesn't wait for you to graduate from college for his plan for you to begin. And so don't just think, well, it's just for having fun, and I'll start doing God's plan for my life tomorrow or when I graduate, when I walk across that stage. Start now. And so some of you have a vision for your life. Some of you know what God's called you to do. Some of you do have dreams in your heart and in your head. Some of you do have that in you. And so the question is, are you on the road for that? Are you planting seeds for that? Are you doing that? Are you on the road for making that happen? Just an easy, simple Example, let's say your vision, now this is, I don't think this is your life goal, but let's just say your, your, your vision is to lose weight, okay? 
and your vision is to, okay, lose 100 pounds, whatever it is, I don't care, okay? You better be doing things to reflect that. If you're eating cheeseburgers at McDonald's every day for lunch, you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing to accomplish the vision. Do what God's called you to do. And if you know what God's called you to do, do it now. Start now. Don't start tomorrow. Start now. Okay? Last one, and then a couple ideas, and then we'll do Q&A. College is a time to rebel from leadership. Our society says that's normal. Our, society, our culture says it's normal for college students to rebel from leadership, to think leadership doesn't know what they're talking about. They're, you know, I'm, 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 I'm against the, the system. I don't, don't let the system get, don't let the man get me down. All that kind of stuff, all right? The fact is that the Bible says we need leadership. God has established leadership in our lives. We're supposed to pray for them and we're supposed to honor them, okay? If you're in a university setting and you don't like what the administration does, pray for them, okay? I went to a school I think I don't know anybody that doesn't go to a college where there's not something that they would change. I don't know anybody. I have not talked to somebody that says, everything about my college experience was perfect. But I, like I said, I graduated from college 12 years ago. There are still some friends of mine who are still complaining about the leadership at my school. They graduated already. They're still complaining. They're still knocking leadership, still saying leadership's terrible. They didn't do this right, and the security was this, and they always gave me parking tickets when I parked in a no-parking zone. I don't understand that. (laughs) God will honor you if you honor leadership. I guarantee it. Honor your leadership. You, you, I promise, you will be totally countercultural in your university setting if you honor and speak well of leadership. They might say, well, what if they are right? What if they're saying something about leadership that is wrong or they're not, you know, like they're kind of being stupid or they're making some bad decisions? It takes no brains and it takes no strength to cut someone down. It takes great wisdom and great strength to highlight people's strengths, even in the midst of them having weaknesses. Anybody, I, anybody can point out weaknesses. That's easy. Be a person of wisdom and strength and point out and highlight people's strengths. Okay. All right, last thing, and these, I know I gave you five, and so let me just give you a couple of ideas. Three most important things I did while I was in college to become who I am today and hopefully will continue to produce results in my life for the future. Number one is I loved God. I've mentioned this, some of these are just kind of the opposites. Loved God. I did that by reading the Bible, memorizing scripture, and fasting. I did all that stuff while I was in college. Some of my friends were like, hey, let's go out to Outback, and I'd be like, "Eh, I can't. Why? Because I was fasting that day. Make it a lifestyle. Create a lifestyle in college of loving God, seeking God, fasting. Do those things while you're in school. Number two, create great friends. Connect yourself with amazing people. If you don't like the people that you're with or you think, well, I don't really want to be like the people I'm with, because this is true. You will become like the people that you hang out with. You will become like the people that you hang out with. So if you're not interested in becoming like the people around you, then you need to go find new people to hang out with. Find great friends. I had a friend, he was the best man in my wedding, and uh, I was about middle of my sophomore year, and I came to that conclusion. I'm not sure that I really love my friends. I'm not sure that I've got great friends. So I looked around, a couple of you know the different circles that I ran in, and I thought, I like that guy right over there. His name's Will. I love that guy. He's, he just emanates godliness. 
So I just start, I, we were in the same class together. I started sitting next to him. We went out and we started playing frisbee. We started, you know, we started hanging out a little bit. We ended up becoming roommates my senior year in college. Every Friday morning. It did not matter how late we stayed up on Thursday night. Every Friday morning at 6 o'clock, we went and ate bagels together. Bagels and coffee. I treasure those moments. They were awesome. We would spend time together. We'd pray together. We'd talk about life together. Talk about struggles together. We talked about the Bible together. It, it was amazing. Bagel time with Will every Friday morning. He was the best man at my wedding. He's a great, incredible friend. And then lastly, plug into a local church. Plug into a local church. You might say, well, I'm so busy. doesn't matter. The local church is the body of Christ, and you need to stay connected. You might say, well, I love my church back home. And I'll go back. That's where I go to church. And I go there on Christmas break and spring break and summer break. That's nice. Go there for that. But when you're in wherever you are, Timbuktu, then go to Timbuktu Methodist. I don't care. <laughs> go there. Okay? This is the reason. You never know what kind of relationships you're going to... You never know if you're going to end up living in Timbuktu and going to a church in there. And you don't want to graduate from college and think, where do I want to go to church? And you might say, well, there is no church in Timbuktu that I like. There's no church that meets my needs. There's no church that even compares to the church that I grew up in. doesn't matter. God didn't say, go to church unless you don't like it. God says, serve, serve the body of Christ. And so, if you can't find one that you really, really love, or you exactly like what you like, find the best one you can and serve in it. Okay? Go be an usher. Serve in Sunday school. Sweep the parking lot. Help out in youth ministry. Jump into college ministry. doesn't matter. Do something. Okay? Just go somewhere. All right. What time is this supposed to end? Okay, 15 minutes. All right. Uh, Evan, come on up here. And uh, Q&A. Okay, let's, let's ask some questions. All right, Q&A. Questions and answers. Anybody questions? Okay, if you've got a question, just stick your hand up high in the air. Yes. Same thing. Same thing. The question, if you didn't hear it, was what if you graduate from high school and you don't go straight to college? Same thing. Same thing still apply. I think people expect if you're in college, you're supposed to be an idiot. And you're not supposed to be a productive member of society. And you're not supposed to help anybody and produce anything. And then when you do, it's a surprise. Well, let's, let's be the generation that surprises everybody. Let's be the generation that surprises our culture. Okay? Now, I encourage you, if, you're, if you do take a few years off, Make sure that if, you, if you're in high school and you graduate you're in, from high school and you're not going to go to college for a couple of years, maybe you need to save money, you can start these things now. Okay? You can start learning about money. You can start reading. You can start um, developing the right friendships. You can start plugging into your local church, all those types of things. So start those things today. Okay? Yeah. Uh, good question. Would you? The question, if you didn't hear it, was... Um, would you suggest taking philosophy classes or religion classes or world religion classes or things like that? Um, I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, I think, though, that what is important is one of the reasons that I, I encourage people to stay connected to a local church is because if that's the only input into your life, then it's going to be hard. And that's what I find for people is that they'll, they're getting all this input from the world and they're not balancing it and they don't, they're not knowing their Bible. So that's why in the last session I was talking about love the Bible. 
So that when you're in the philosophy class and somebody says something, you're like, that's not true. And maybe you don't get up and say, it's not true because my Bible says this. But maybe you, but you know, that's not true because the Bible does say this and the Bible is the word of God. Okay, and you know those things and those things are in you. And, um, and so this is what I encourage you to do. During your college years, I'm not saying it's bad to ask questions. I think it's important to ask questions throughout your life, not just in a setting like this, but I'm talking about, well, what about if I have a question about my faith? God is bigger than any question that you could ever ask. God is bigger than your questions. So God's not scared of your questions. I just encourage you, ask your questions in the context of faith. In other words, ask the question, God, what does this mean? Ask God. He will show you. He is the revealer of truth. And so if you are in a philosophy class and you're unsure, like, wow, that sounds really interesting and that, that makes sense, ask God. And have other people in your life that are able to balance some of those things. And so it's not necessarily, well, that's stupid because it's stupid. But have a, that's one of the reasons I say read is so that you have the ability to think. And you can say, well, that's not true because, and you can logically defend your faith. Okay, So... Um, think through those books, Mere Christianity, some apologetics books. And so I, I encourage you, a lot of the books that I just mentioned are books that I'm reading for a particular reason. You know, money because I'm working on some different things with my own finances. Um, the Sex God book because I'm uh, wanting to talk about some of those different dynamics for the mill on, on Fridays and some different things like that. So if, you have a, if you're in a philosophy class and something comes up about a world religion or a philosophy that, that you know, doesn't quite make sense or something like that, then start reading a book. Um, on, that's maybe written on that subject by, uh, by a Christian author, so from a Christian perspective. And I don't have a problem with you reading a, a secular book on that perspective, but don't just read this, okay? Don't just read the textbook and hear what the professor's saying and not be looking to the Bible and to what Christians are saying on that same subject. So, okay? Yeah. Yeah. You want to answer that? <laughs> no, I mean, I can answer, but I'll let, I don't want Evan yeah. to stand up here and look dumb. <laughs> um, lasting relationships, I think a key to that is there's, is there's an attractive quality about our lives, and there has to be something attractive about you. And I'm not talking a physical attraction. That's for, that's for boyfriend and girlfriend and, and husband and wife relationships. But there has to be something that, that intrigues others about your life. And so do, do things intentionally while you're at school. Like if you're just sitting in that class, go and, and sit in the same seat every time so that, you're, so that you're, even though those are strangers, develop kind of the, the inner circle of and ask somebody to borrow a pen or a pencil. You know, do, do some of the things that are small steps to, to developing lasting relationships and then um, have kind of a quality like, like Aaron Stern always, like Mountain Dew is his drink. Like if you, if, if you didn't, if you didn't know really, you might think that he's related to the guy that started it. So do something, do something crazy that you're known for one thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's you're, you're the guy that carries your Bible with him. Uh, that, that's not always going to help you to win. But you know, if if it is, if it is like, 
every time you show up to class, have a Mountain Dew with you, or have a or have a That's Starbucks a great drink, idea. or so, you know something, <laughs> something like that, because because humans humans have the ability to remember, and we need to use that to our advantage. So. Uh, you don't have to wear the same T-shirt every day, but do, you know, do something. Do you something won't be known like as the that. same guy who wears the same T-shirt every day. You'll be known as the smelly guy. But, but it, that's true. And I, you know, like I went to uh, Oral Roberts University, where it's not like this anymore. But it used to be where I had we had to wear ties, like shirt and tie, to class. And so it wasn't until I graduated they thought, oh, I missed my opportunity. And my opportunity was that I could have worn, because I like to wear bow ties. I mean, I wear regular ties, but now, like, if I go to a wedding, I oftentimes will wear a bow tie. So I know how to tie a real bow tie and all that stuff. And I thought, man, I missed my opportunity. I could have ditched all of my long ties, or maybe just except for a couple, and just, just worn a bow tie every day while I was at ORU. Every day. I would have been known as the bow tie guy. I know it. <laughs> I am convinced of it. I mean, am I right? If I'd have been the only guy, and at first I would have been known as Orville Redenbacher. But after that... <laughs> I am convinced that for four years straight, I would be known as, who's Aaron Stern? Well, the bow tie guy. Oh! And so, I mean, I know that doesn't, like, create, cultivate deep friendships right there, but it's a start. <laughs> yes. Have I ever reached a plateau spiritually? Um, sure. I think that there's times when maybe we experience a dry time in our life. Um, I am not, I'm convinced that that's not necessarily bad. And I'm also not convinced that it's not what God's doing in our lives. And the reason that I say that is because of Luke chapter 4, where Jesus is led into the desert by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led there. And the Bible says that when he was led there, he was led there by the Spirit. And at the end of the 40 days, the Bible says that he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in those dry times, if we can press through, that we will experience more of God and have greater power in the Holy Spirit than if we just say, well, it's dry. The devil's leading me here. This is horrible. God, I just pray that you'd send rain. And God's saying, I led you into the desert. I am the one that's not making it rain. So would you just please seek me? He's not mad at you, but I think he wants more power. He wants more intimacy. And sometimes, if you this is this is most this to me is most important. And this to me tells me about character. And this is also one of the reasons I say fast and pray and develop a work ethic in college is because when you reach those dry times, are the times that it's going to reveal your character the most. But if you're used to like, well, it's hard, so I guess I'm just not going to do that. It's in the dry times that it's the hardest, and it's in the dry times that you don't feel like it the most. But what discipline is doing is teaching us not to do things according to our feelings. But our culture says, do everything according to your feelings. And God says, I don't want you to live according to your feelings. I want you to live according to the Spirit. And the Spirit says, seek me no matter what. And so dry time, wet time, monsoon time, mud time, swamp time, desert time, it doesn't matter. Seek God. I think, You'll always come out on the other end, I promise that. I think also going on missions is huge to that. that. That if you're just living your normal life, if you're just going to your community college or your high school or a state school and you're, you're working a part-time job or, 
or whatever it is that kind of you just get into a routine, if you never break that routine by going to specifically share your faith, then then of course it's going to kind of just wane out. I've, uh, Oral Roberts University was such a great school for us because you're going to chapel twice a week. It's like having a desperation conference, you know, like all semester. You're just surrounded by all of these people here that you guys know that are pushing you up to a higher level. You're constantly having big-name speakers come and speak to you. And, and I had a friend that said, that said, you know, I felt like, and uh, I think he's just younger than Aaron, he said, he said I feel like I've, I've lived off of that kind of battery pack from school for the last seven years since he's graduated. And, and I thought, wow, that's, that's so strange. But, but I know that when I come back from a missions trip, I'm totally fired up from the power of God and the miracles that we've seen and the salvations that we've seen and just even being open to the fact that not everybody, not everybody has the same routine as me or the same style as me or the, or the same language as me. You're, you're, you're interacting with people that really need God and you can carry God to them. And so when you share the fire of God, it helps you to get fired up yourself. Yeah. Okay, last question right over here. Do you have any suggestions for college athletes? Um, you know, honestly, I think that's maybe one of the tougher areas to be a Christian in. In other words, I know that, I, I, and the reason I say that is I, was, I played soccer my, first, my freshman year in college. Um, the reason I only played my freshman year in college because I wasn't good. And so, um, <laughs> and so, but I know, I mean, I was on the team. Now, this isn't true of all teams, but I, for some reason it seems to be a generalization that it's oftentimes true is that college teams um, are not known for their godliness. And, um, and so I would suggest in that particular situation that I think, it, I think if this is true for anybody, but I think it becomes especially true for somebody on a sports team. And that is, if you go to another, if you go to another university, if you go leave, let's say you live here in Colorado Springs and you go to a university in another city, I suggest that the very first thing that you do is you find a campus group, so a fellowship of Christian athletes, or you find the best college group in town, or you find um, Campus Crusade, something. Start finding where the Christians are. Because who you plug into will oftentimes determine what your next semester and your next years are going to look like. And I know too many people that didn't do that, and they're two years into their college years, and they pretty much screwed things up for a couple of years, and now they're trying to get back to it. And they do, and thank God for that. But they didn't, there was no need to waste those couple of years. And so, so make it one of your first goals on campus is to find the Christians. Because if you don't, especially in a team, I think the reason it's so important is that you've already got a close-knit group, and so be e- so, and that group will take you wherever they go. And so, so that's why make it your first thing to do. Because if you wait on, in a team, it's going to be hard to break out of it. But if you start with another group uh, along with that group, it's going to be a lot better. Yeah. I think also everybody on your team will have a purpose of winning a championship or making it into the tournament. Your purpose, that may be your secondary purpose, your purpose is to win them over to Christ. So no matter what no matter what sports you're in, your primary purpose in that is to win them and push them closer to Christ. All right. Okay, everybody, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you walked this earth and modeled for us life, and life more abundantly. And that you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And that includes during our college years, when maybe our culture says that 
We don't have to live in a certain way. It doesn't matter how we live. What we do doesn't matter. We don't have to be responsible. We can't do anything, and so just do whatever you want to do. Live according to your feelings and sow your wild oats and be crazy and party and do whatever. But instead, God, you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. One, to stand up to the pressure, but also, two, to live and rise above it and to do something for your kingdom in our college years. And so pray that each and every individual in here that their college years would plant amazing and wonderful seeds for the kingdom of God and for their life, for their upcoming decade and the decade after that, God. And so, God, we just pray that your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. All right, everybody, have a great dinner. See you tonight. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.